What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you're on the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we have author Kristen O'Neill on the show. She wrote the YA novel Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses, and the paperback version of it is coming out on May 10th. Say hi, Kristen. Hi. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And, and I want to thank you very much for being able to come on here. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And so and how are you today? What, you know, what's going on? I am okay. I ironically, I'm, <laughs> my book is about chronic illness and I had to reschedule this interview because I was um, at the at the doctor <laughs> having problems was, and issues, but I'm doing a lot better. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. So yeah, it was completely understandable. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're good. You're good. Yes. And yeah, so I, I, I always love to hear like, you know, how, how authors, how their, their writing journey start out with, you know, with books and reading. So first off, I'd like to start with asking you, like, what, what was the, f- the first book that you had ever read? That I ever or, read? Or I, I remember um, reading, or maybe, maybe yeah, your parent read it to you. That's true. I, I, we had this like really big, easy chair that like, you know, two people can fit in. Um, we would always sit, my mom uh, would have me and my brother sit there when we would read, uh, together. And man, I, I'm like, I'm trying to remember what the first thing that we read was, but I, we did like a lot of like kids versions of classics early on, which was very fun. Um, like I read a version of 20,000 leagues under the sea, like way too early. Um, so little things like that. Um, we did Narnia, we did bunch of stuff like that yeah I don't I don't know what the first one was I was very into magic treehouse books you know I I I, I read like one or two of those but I just never got around to reading like a whole series when when I was younger but oh I mean I I'm I think they're still going probably so I don't know if I've read the whole series either but yeah yeah it was really I loved like I was such a nerd I was um I'm still a nerd but I loved like the educational <laughs> that's good nerdy. educational stuff yeah and what, what about the nonfiction uh treehouse books did you read those as well I I didn't read those I should have maybe but <laughs> I was just curious because I want yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember didn't read the they fiction had books. the tie-ins. Yeah, I, I I didn't read the fiction novels but nonfiction books I did like mm. I have actually like dozens of those yeah. Which is weird. Like, why did I just stick to this one side and <laughs> no, not the other side? It's special interest. It's great. I, I remember I was very, very into like strange animals was my like obsession as a child. So and yeah, I was really into like deep sea creatures too. Hence the <laughs> hence the twenty thousand leagues. <laughs> but and what, what about yeah. uh, any favorite any favorite books from your childhood? Yeah. Favorite childhood I really... reads. I really loved reading like, um, I, you know, I think there was like a, a time frame for fantasy where it was like, there was like really grounded stuff happening. Not like there wasn't magic in it, but it felt all felt very ordinary, you know, and like it was, the way that magic was presented was very like day in a life uh, kind of a thing. So I really loved dealing with dragons, that whole series. Did you ever read those? English dragons I did not I don't think no they were they were great um because the whole premise was the princess um ran away she didn't want to get married so she ran away to like get herself kidnapped by dragons on purpose 
Uh, and she's like, I'm a great cook. <laughs> Let me hang out here, please. <laughs> you know, um, and it was very fun because it was just very like goofy and, you know, the, there were evil wizards, but you could kill them by mixing uh, soapy water with lemon in a bucket and <laughs> dumping it on them. But it had to have the lemon. It was like very specific about that. Um, and I also loved, I loved the Percy Jackson books. Those were my favorite. And I, I, I remember reading those like chapter headers and being like, this is the height of comedy. And honestly, like, I still think that <laughs> they were absolutely hilarious. It shaped like a lot of my sense of humor, I think. Yeah, the Percy Jackson books. Did you, did you hear about the casting news that came I out today? I just did, yeah. I'm so glad it's just some kid. <laughs> I'm, not to, I'm sure he's a great little actor, but I'm glad he- it's not. He was actually, did, did, did you see the Netflix movie, The Adam Project? No, I haven't seen it yet. He was in that movie. He played like, gotcha. he played a young version of Ryan Reynolds. Oh, there you that go. Movie. There you go. And That's great. I'd never heard of him before uh, before that movie, but I, yeah, I liked him in yeah. that. So now knowing that he's going to be Percy Jackson, it's going to be like, wow. Like, you know, this is just pretty exciting. Those movies, and... those movies were so bad. And because honestly, it's not, I'm really glad that they're doing it as TV because it's way better suited for television. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll give them more space and really be able to like bring out the humorous elements too. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that they're doing TV instead of <laughs> trying to do movies. Yeah, I never even had the opportunity to finish watching the first movie. I didn't. I, didn't, I never saw the second movie. <laughs> and then I read because I, 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 I saw like I watched the first, like the first half of the first movie before I even got into the books because my mom mm-hmm. like she loved the books. So that's yeah, why we yeah. were kind of like getting into the movie. Mm-hmm. And then later on, like years later, I got into the books and I was like, yeah. wow, these are fantastic. Yeah, from, they're great. <laughs> but from what I from what I remember, I, I was just like, man, that that movie just was not following the plot at all. But no, it did something completely. It was trying to do something totally different. I don't yeah. know what that something is, but <laughs> that was, I think, the same era as like series of unfortunate events bad movies oh, yeah. as well and that also got a tv adaptation that was much better so i think it's I just you, you need more yeah. space for series you know yeah and and that's also because even like shadow and bone is now yeah, netflix yeah. and i put i personally enjoyed that i thought i thought they did a, a solid job of adapting the material yeah so, yeah and... i liked that a lot i never i haven't read those books because I, I read like the um six of crows series Ooh. but i never i don't know why i didn't read like the earlier ones I like a heist. <laughs> I know that I, I noticed it happens a lot with specifically the Grisha, the Grisha verse, which are some people yeah. who read only the Six Crows and other people only read the Shadow and Bones. And then you right. also have like the, 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 you know, the Women of Wolves, mm-hmm. yeah. the but Yeah, that's right. And there was like a new little tie in too, but I don't. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I haven't read that yet, but it's on my TV <laughs> pile. Yeah. But. Yeah, Percy Jackson, it's going to be like one season for each of the books. Yeah, which, whoa. And then it's like, well, yeah, yeah, they could expand right. it. That's crazy. If they adapt as well, they could expand it into the other series that Rick Riordan yeah, has come totally. out with. Yeah, is- that's so crazy. And I, on the one hand, I'm like, it will be cool to like see them, you know, grow up in these parts. And on the other, I'm like, I'm always so worried about child actors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like down in my heart, I'm like, I hope that you guys are all okay. Like, I hope somebody's looking out for all of you guys. Pressure, and it does all. I I think it's all much of it depends on the parents that they have. Like, do you have parents who give, you know, who ground you, you. who remind you that hey, you're kids. Yeah, because you're just because you're like huge celebrities does not mean you get to run wild. 
and exactly. do whatever you like, want. Oh, I hope you guys are be happy to show us that. You're having an okay time. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really exciting. Percy Jackson. Yes. And and then so as, as you grew up, do you know like what when you when you started to really like figure out, hey, I want to be a writer, you know, and create yeah. stories. I really, yeah, it, storytelling has been something that I've been so passionate about for just like truly as long as I can remember. Like that sounds really corny. And I feel like people say that all the time, but I was like telling stories to like my grandma and my brother and having her write them down for me about like two dogs that were solving a mystery in a haunted house or something, you know, before I could even do anything. It's <laughs> just like, just talking about stuff like that. Um yeah, and then in middle school, this is one of my one of my greatest regrets is that I didn't actually make this short film that I wanted to make when I was like 12 because it, as a relic it would have been so embarrassing to have for me and so I'm like very sad that that didn't end up happening but I wrote like <laughs> I wrote like a short horror comedy script um in like sixth comedy. grade called the librarian about an evil librarian who was it was like a slasher um, and like students were going missing and all this stuff you know um but it was like a comedy comedy slasher <laughs> um and I got like my friends all into it and I was like casting them and stuff and I like got a camera and everything they were like we don't actually want to do this <laughs> right? they were like this is kind of weird we don't want to like somebody like I think we were they were like putting a pool in somewhere and so it was just like the dirt hole and I was like let's crawl in the dirt hole and film something and they were like no it's <laughs> like are you are you sure though crawl in and get all like messy. a real poltergeist situation right <laughs> um yeah so I'm bummed I'm bummed that that didn't shake out <laughs> but yeah, I was always very much, um, very very passionate about about writing. So, ever thought about going going back and make like making a short film now? Have Absolutely yes. No, for real. My my roommate and I, uh, she's a filmmaker, and so I'm like, what if we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so when did you start wanting to uh, write a uh, lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses specifically? Yeah, this one, this book like came very, very quickly together in a way that a lot of the other stuff that I've written hasn't, um, you know, because I wrote, you know, two books before this one, because I think that's that's very common. Nobody really. Um, very yeah, no one really sounds like the very first manuscript. Yeah, or, exactly. It's you usually know, like you write it and you're like, oh, this is bad. I'm going to write something else now. <laughs> you got um, to process a few of your, you know, yeah, a few of your art pieces before exactly. you get to the one mm-hmm. you actually can succeed with. Yeah. And so this, I had just written this kind of like adventure book that I'd shelved uh, and was talking to my friend um, about about this and I was like man like I don't know I I don't know if I have any like ideas right now I just have this one concept that's more like a joke than you know than a than a book idea but I was like I I, wouldn't it be really funny if there are these two friends who met in a chronic illness support group um and then it turned out that one of them was actually a werewolf and like that was her chronic illness because I was like I've always thought that werewolves like that's always how how I've like read werewolves as a metaphor for chronic illness. Um, and I'm like, well, that's just me projecting, obviously. But I always thought it was really interesting because like uh, they're very different from other monsters 
you know, like we, we have this like textbook set of monsters, you know, vampires, werewolves, all this, but like mummies, oh, ghosts, zombies, you know, yeah. And a lot of these are, are undead or the fear wrapped up in it is fear of death, you know, mm-hmm. um, or I think both know. maybe more like fear of death cross over with the fear of the unknown exactly exactly and that's werewolf is, is for the unknown for sure but i think what's what always is interesting to me is that i'm like yeah like the, these other you know creatures aren't human anymore but a werewolf is still just like a person right it's just got something going on once a month and i'm like well that could describe me as well right um yeah so i just i I was telling my friend about this and she's just like, that sounds kind of like a concept. I think you should kind of like flesh it out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So I, I did. And it, yeah, I don't know. I, I wrote the draft in like six months, which is very <laughs> fast, <laughs> um, which is funny too, because this next book that I'm working on has not been even close to that quick, but you know, every project is on its own timeline. So that's yes, fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah yeah it, it just came from there and at, as you're writing it like do you do you think that you're more like a, a, of a plotter or a pantser is i this is funny i i do love this question because i'm always just like i thought i had a clear answer and then I, the more i think about it the more i'm like maybe yeah maybe i don't <laughs> um but i always thought of myself as like a big plotter which i think is still the case like i i take like just a lot of time like I don't want to say world building because I don't think I'm actually great at like making a whole new universe, but um, on stories that are set like in our world, which is what I mostly work on, I do kind of want to know everything about, you know, the characters' lives and just like who they are as people. Um, So yeah, so I do a lot of outlining, but then inevitably what always happens is that I have my outline, right? I'm like, this is great. I know where I'm going. I'm ready to go. I break it down by like chapters sometimes like, okay, this is what's going to happen here. But then I have to edit the outline like a million times as I'm writing because stuff will come out when you actually get into the text that you had, like you just didn't expect at all. Um, and in edits too, right? Like things will come up. Uh, so Spencer, there's a character who's an animal control officer. Um, and he he was always like a part of the narrative, but he became like a lot bigger of a character um as I actually got into it because I was like he's actually very fun and I want to to keep him around a little bit more um yeah so I, I'm a plotter but subject to change <laughs> once I get in there yeah plotter yes sometimes I feel feel like because I myself like I, I'm I'm an, an aspiring writer and sometimes oh, I feel like great. I'm both like a, a plotter and then sometimes I'm a panther. I think you have to be both. Or like, or, or like trying to maybe trying to mix the two because yeah, I always exactly, exactly. I hate it when I feel like I'm locked into a plot and then I write and then I'm like, oh crap, this this plot's going in a direction where I'm not sure yeah, exactly. if I can tie all the threads together that well. Yeah, well, and I don't I don't think all or nothing is a very like useful perspective necessarily for this kind of stuff, right? I I really do think that like having a little bit flex like a little bit of flexibility is a really useful trait when you're writing um, because like. I mean, to use like, I don't know, like TV shows as, as examples, like I know a lot of the time when a TV show is like, we don't know where we're going, we'll figure it out later. Like that, it can be okay if you're writing like a sitcom, but I feel like for like a like a mystery, right? If you're like, we'll solve the mystery later, doesn't always work so well, right? Um, or if you are writing a show and <laughs> I'm going to make fun of How I Met Your Mother, I'm sorry. Um, but I feel like there are shows like that really suffer from like, if if the 
person who made it is like, I have know exactly how this is going to end, right? I yeah. figured it out at the beginning and I'm going to make it do that regardless of what's happened in between, right? Yeah. Regardless of character development. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think, you know, you, you need to like, yeah, be able to like go where the story wants to take you, which yeah. sounds very woo-woo, but um, I think it's true. <laughs> yeah, let it grow a little more organically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and in the book, the found family trope that plays a, a massive role in this book, and it's a it's a trope that I always have a a soft spot for. Yeah, and I was wondering what like what your thoughts are on you know weaving that into into the book. Yeah, found family. Um, yeah, because I think you get that with the trio, you know, that um, meet each other in real life, but also with the online friends, like the Discord chat. Um, because there's a, there's a Discord chat called Oof Ouch My Bones, and they all there's like eight of them, and they all talk once a week about their different chronic illnesses. Um, and yeah, that just that came a lot from like being on Tumblr and you know chatting with people and making friends. I mean, I I was on there back when there was the fan mail, like there you didn't even you couldn't chat with people. You had to like send them messages back and forth like letters, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it is like I think for I mean the online sphere was really important for a book about chronic illness because there's a lot of things that you can't do in person right or like that take a lot of energy to do in person you have to really conserve that um and so yeah that made sense that they would all like find each other through the internet um yeah and then build build a community yeah build it there yeah exactly um, and then I think, yeah, I, I do love the film family trope and Priya is like really isolated at the, at the start of the book because she's had to move home from college. She's living with her parents again. And, you know, none of her friends that she grew up with are there because they're all off at their own colleges. Um, and yeah, so I think starting in a place of like isolation or like misunderstanding is really vital for like the arc of any sort of like friendship story or romance right? Not that the person has to be totally lonely or that they have to be missing something, but I think then when they meet this other person, right, who becomes so important to them, they have to be like, oh, like, you see something in me and I see something in you that I feel like a lot of people haven't, you know? And so I I think that moment is always really, like, beautiful of, like, oh, like uh, that, that, that moment where you're clicking with somebody, you're like, well, you, you kind of get it. <laughs> you yes, get yes. something here. Yeah. And what, what about us? Uh, do you have any f- favorite found families? Both of us in books, movies, TV shows? Oh, that is such a good question. I'm like rifling through. This is the classic thing where I'm like such a, like an obsessed like <laughs> fan of so many things. And you say like name one. And I'm like, oh no. Um, but because I think, yeah, a lot of things try and don't necessarily do it super well. Um, man. What is my favorite found family trope? I'll just, I'll go with a recent, a recent one because it's on, it's on my brain right now, but um, our flag means death. Have you watched this? I've been here. I, I don't have HBO Max, but I've been oh, hearing no. a lot about this show and I just know it's, got, it's like Taika Waititi is in it and it's I love him. It's crazy good. It's crazy good. Yeah. He's Blackbeard. Um, but they, they have that a little bit. Um, although, you know what, actually this is like a very, no, it's like a very serious show, but they really actually do build them into a family in a really compelling way. Have you seen Severance? 
This is what I, I mean. I, there's so much stuff. That's on my watch list. Like, this I, is it, amazing. I ha- okay, I have Apple TV Plus. So I'm, I've been yes, hearing about okay. this show. And now I'm just like, okay, I should watch that in the future. It is truly like one of the most like thoughtful sci-fi, like just anything that I've like read or watched or anything like that in a long time. Like Michael Crichton level of like, this is like very solid sci-fi because I think good sci-fi like really digs into like, what it means to be a person and to deal with technology right like those are like the big two for science fiction and deal with typically you know existential yeah exactly philosophical themes and concepts and yeah severance takes these um characters so it's like i i won't give too much away because it's excellent uh and i very much recommend it um but yeah it's basically the premise is that there's this chip that these employees at this company on only like a certain like departments get put in their brain and it splits their work life and their home life. So when they're at work, they can't remember anything about who they are like as people. And when they're at home, they can't remember anything about what they do at work or the people there. And so it's just a total separation, which is deeply horrifying (laughs) if you dig into it. Right. But it really manages to like, it really pulls it off. I think found family is actually very tough because to like to get a bunch of people who start as strangers and then in the course of however long your story is to make you really believe that they would like die for each other you know um but that's like it really it manages it very well where they you know they don't trust each other at the start they don't even really know each other that well um but their their whole life like the people who are in the office like that's all they remember is life in the office and so it becomes their whole world and that really they really do become each other's family which is terrifying <laughs> again but really interesting yeah i'll definitely def- again definitely have to put severance on the watch list and yeah, i think for, found family for me i would probably say like uh guardians of the galaxy yeah just that whole group you know we start out as, as like the outlaws and scoundrels who also yeah, like don't trust each outcasts. other yeah. And are very close to killing each other at times, yeah. but then they end up growing so close and yeah. re- and really like pull the emotions out of you. Yeah, there is something very fun about like an all outcasts group. Um, this is why I I generally like I have a trouble sometimes if it's like everybody in this show or book or whatever is a horrible person. Like that's sometimes hard, but always sunny actually is hilariously I think also kind of. <laughs> family in that not, no one else can put up with them right they're all so horrible that they have to like be there for each other forever <laughs> which I do find very funny yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I found family trope yeah always love it it's yes. great yes yeah and avatar the last airbender does such a good job I just started a rewatch of that. Yes. I yes. haven't rewatched it since I was a kid or since like, you know, ooh. whenever it came out when I was in like high school. Yeah. I I, oof, I, I have very fond memories of watching that. Like it, it was years ago. Yeah. And now I'm starting to rewatch it and just starting to remember like, oh my gosh, all this stuff happened. And Zuko has such a massive redemption arc. Yes. That's also a trope that I love is like when the villain like, not even just a redemption arc, but like redemption arc to then like 
kind of weird guy who just hangs out, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, you're actually kind of lame this whole time. So now you're just going to like be in our basement. <laughs> like, Really, really good trope. I know. And uh, Uncle Ero, like, I'm really glad like he's on the show. Like, not only does he bring the comedy yeah, and the, yeah. the lightheartedness, but he's also the there to, to, yeah, the heart and he cares mm-hmm. for Zuko. He's there mm-hmm. to provide the lightness to, you know. Like, yeah. Like, well, all, he's the only person who really does care. Yeah, the love. Zuko. Yeah. And, and to try to, when he to yeah, try to, to, hard to on him do, or whatever. Yeah, to try to like tamper down his Zuko's fire and his anger. Yeah. yeah. And I just and I have thought to myself, like, imagine like if every if all, a lot of other villains, you know, had someone like like an arrow with them. You know, like yeah. imagine if Kylo Ren had an arrow to look after <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. No, I think about this a lot actually with like real life. Like there was this guy who did a study about like psychopathy right or like sociopath psychopaths and he did a bunch of like he's a scientist did a bunch of brain scans um and put himself in in the control group and realized that his brain was actually similar um and he didn't realize that he was also a psychopath like on the technical level but he was like my parents loved me so much and were so supportive of me and he's made like you know he, he doesn't necessarily have that same level of empathy as others, but he has like, he's like, oh no, but I want to be a good person and I care about other people, even if I don't, you know, show it in certain ways, but. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting where it's like, oh yeah, it's the whole nature versus nurture thing, I guess. Yes. And it's wow. like, yeah, you got to have, got to have that support. Yeah, nature nature versus, <laughs> versus nurture. I, I've always found that to be an interesting idea as well. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And now uh, earlier you mentioned the Discord. Now in the book, yeah. this plays also a huge role in the book, where the characters are chatting on on the Discord servers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I myself have actually started to use, to use Discord recently because I've been joining a few servers. And that and this happened after I had read I, I had read your book. Oh yeah. And yeah. So, but. So so when I when I read your book, I wasn't quite familiar with this quote then. But even mm. but even then I was still I still found it to be quite amusing. Just even with the conversations that were flowing back and forth. Yeah. But now that I've gone in Discord, I can actually look back on your book and feel much more like retroactive appreciation for the Discord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wanna ask you like what uh, why did you decide to put Discord in there? What inspired you to do so? Yeah, I think I mean, I just really like messing with format a lot, actually. Um, This is something that I don't, you know, explore in like all of my stories, but I think it's really interesting to kind of like, I don't know, one one of my favorite books is actually Dracula which that's a little bit left field maybe. Well, not really because my book's about a werewolf, but um, Dracula is actually like kind of a found footage book, which I feel like a lot of people don't recognize or know about it, but like it's it's journals and newspaper articles and, you know, phonograph recordings. And so it's all these different really? types of, yeah, formats and then compiled into this narrative. And so, yeah, I always really liked kind of stuff like that. And I love writing dialogue as well. It's one of my favorite things to write. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, once I was like, okay, well, I want this to be like the support group and I also want it to be online because that's where a lot of this stuff happens. Um, yeah, it just kind of made sense to actually see their conversations instead of just hearing about them or, you know, anything like that, because then they kind of become characters in their own right. And I like that they, they help with the narrative too. They help move the plot along. 
um, <clears throat> even though they can only do it from a distance, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they're involved in the climax of the book, you know, they have different concepts and different ideas that they're texting back and forth to help. So I kind of liked that they got to be a part of it um, as well, yeah. That's good, yeah. I think there's a word for that when, when, the, when the book is made up of like letters and stuff like that. I think, is it ep epistolary? Epistolary, like yeah, that. yeah. Mm -hmm. Epistolary. Yeah, I do. There's a little bit, <clears throat> oh, sorry, of like an epistolary yes. book then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do, I do yeah. like it when that happens. That was like actually how most novels were for a long time. Because um, the novel was first, you know, came to be in like the 1700s. And they were really focused on like the realism of it, which always cracks me up. They're like, everyone has to think this actually happened, right? And so we're going to make it be like letters back and forth. Like, oh, like I'm putting my pen down to leave right now you know, in the plot of it. But I always, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. I'm like, yeah, let's, yes. let's do more of that stuff from the 1700s. Sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and now I want to ask you about, about, the, about the, what, what, what do you think about how the way that basically well, 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 in this book are basically a stand-in for chronic illness. And what do you think about like the value that that brings having the disability representation in books and yeah. being able to promote that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I, I think it's really important. I really love using metaphor, but using it metaphorically and literally, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it can kind of be a little bit of a cop out if you write, you know, some sort of character and you're like, oh, well, this is actually a metaphor for, I don't know, them being gay but the character isn't gay right <laughs> you're kind of like okay but why not right um so I think I really enjoy it when things work on multiple levels like that right um so yeah like in my in my mind it's like okay werewolves are a metaphor for being chronically ill but Bridget the werewolf in this like she is a werewolf and she is chronically ill like that is her illness the way that she experiences being a werewolf is painful for her so I like that it works on both like the literal level and the metaphorical level, um, because I also think that then when you put it at a little bit of a distance like that, it kind of helps you look at disability and chronic illness with fresh eyes, right? I think a lot of people um, who are, you know, healthy, <laughs> who've read this have been like, oh, okay, like that actually helped make some sense of what this is like, which I think that, yeah, the distance can help a little bit. But yeah, so I think werewolves have been historically like a metaphor for a lot of things, right? Uh, metaphor for being gay, metaphor for chronic illness, right? And then, so I was like, well, Bridget then, right, is is chronically ill. She is a werewolf and she is gay, right? So it's like all of these things are true at the same time. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it's always nice to see that. It's like, being, I, 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 think, I think particularly for like the YA audience mm -hmm. and something I've noticed over time, especially over the past few years, is how the YA audience, like the, the YA books are slowly becoming more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And I think like much more inclusive, honestly, than most, than even like other, like even like books in the market towards adults. Yeah. And which is something I'm glad to see. Obviously I do think there are a few areas a few corners where we still need to get more, more representation, mm -hmm. more stories that are able to be told respectfully about, about these areas. Mm -hmm. But still, like, you know, we're making progress, you know, little by little. Yeah, I think so. I think so. 
And yeah, I wanted to, yeah, I, I'm like representing a bunch of different points of view, I think was important for me for this. Um, and then, yeah, like everyone in the group chat has a different chronic illness or disability. And that that is one thing though, that I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of like, I wish, I, I didn't have space for this, <laughs> right? But I'm like, chronic illnesses actually tend to like cluster. And so having each of them only have like one, I'm like, well, that is maybe a little unrealistic, right? They probably have like a bunch like I do, but um, I think it helped to kind of maybe stagger it out a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, do you ever look back on lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses and do you ever have moments like that where you do maybe regret certain things you, you, you wrote, like maybe about the story or just stuff like that? Any um, moments like that? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard because like I wrote it, I was actually pretty young when I wrote this. Um, I was like 25, I guess, because books take such a long time to come out and to work on yeah, so yeah, I mean, there's stuff in there that I would absolutely change at this point um, that I can't, <laughs> right? But, but I think you know, you, you know, as you grow, as, always, yeah, as you you're grow always learning new things as a person and as an artist, yeah. Um, and so I think when you look back, you're never going to be completely satisfied with your past work, you know. Um, so yeah, there's there's things I would change for sure, um, and things that I regret. But um, yeah, I'm kind of like, well. Uh, I have to just kind of take that and move forward to whatever stories I'm going to tell next, I guess. Sure, sure. And, and uh, so when you were getting this manuscript out, you know, what, what, what was that like, just having to send this out, like the querying process? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I was actually in the middle of querying when I started talking to... Um, John Tay, my editor, John Tay Kupahia at Quirk, um, who is amazing and great. Um, yeah, and so we were chatting about this actually, and I was like mid-querying, right? Like I had written my letters, I had sent it out, like I was sending it out and I was like, you know, starting that very slow process. Um, but yeah, she actually reached out to me because we had been talking about like, I think it was actually Dracula that we were talking about. Um, yeah, we're chatting about that. And I was, you know, talking about how I thought about different, you know, parts of Dracula or something like that. And she reached out to me and she was like, would you be interested in writing a book for Quirk? And I was like, here's a fun fact. <laughs> I'm actually querying a book right now. Um, so yeah, weirdly, the whole like the agent part and the editor part kind of happened simultaneously, which was strange. Ooh. But <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And so then I found my agent, Dana Murphy, um, who, again, also the best. So, yeah. Yes. And as you and as you were editing the book, was there any like revisions or was there any scenes <laughs> that you had to cut out? Yeah. Did, yeah. I, or, Tons I, of stuff. It was I I do write a little long I think <laughs> I tend to tend to do that um yeah so I did have to cut like most of I think the stuff that made sense that I had to cut but I was also very sad to cut was in the group chats um because that's a lot of a lot of the word count uh I did there's a part I was like oh like I, I missed that one part but uh they had a whole like conversation about the hottest Disney dads um <laughs> just like a t totally cursed like discussion about that and 
Bridget uh, at one point said Geppetto and everyone was like we're throwing eggs at you now (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that was very fun but I mean yeah a a book changes shape a lot a lot yeah major reworkings yeah yeah and Jonte is like absolutely amazing um she was so thoughtful with like all the edits and stuff um yeah and really like helped me through different things she's like you love subplots you have so many let's let's you know cut some of these let's like combine some of these which yeah classic um and then I got um another sensitivity read I had gotten one before uh like when I was just writing it um and yeah that you know brings a new perspective to everything too that you're like okay let me like you know make this as faithful as I possibly can um yeah so and I talked to John Taylor about that too and yeah it changed a lot and then the Spencer plot line actually is that's when that came through a lot more mm, interesting um, yeah he was always he was always like around <laughs> right because he's helpful for the plot um yeah. but I really like just our sidekick and he really, yeah yeah a sidekick but he became yeah really they like more of they became more of a trio um in those parts I mean, it's still, the whole book is still about Bridget and Priya, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, that's the driving force. That's the whole point is the two of them love each other. Um, But yeah, they kind of, the the parts of Spencer, I think kind of shown a lot more after all of that. So That's good. And uh, what about your TBR pile? Can you, do you, can you name a book that's like, or one or two or three books that are high up there in the TBR pile? I'm like looking around. around my room to see what I'm getting from the library um I just finished meddling kids uh by Edgar Cantero I know this is not TBR but I'm like (laughs) thinking of what I've just read um and that was excellent um very fun I think he has such like an interesting way of writing and like using metaphor um that's very very fun and like vivacious um and I also just read House on the Cerulean Sea. Um, but yeah, up next, I actually have like some like nonfiction um, and some like, I'm doing some reading about gay pirates and about, um, so my next book is set in Texas and it involves like rural queer history. Um, so I have a couple of books on that that I'm reading next. And then... Um, a book called the Essex Serpent I just got from the library because uh, I love a cryptid. So. <laughs> nice, it's nice, and it's funny. I have a house in the Cerulean Sea, and I've actually done an episode on that for my podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like it was just so nice, <laughs> like genuinely, not just like I don't know, like it was genuinely just like lovely to read. I mean, I really love like stories like romances that are later in life romances and especially like queer romances that are later in life and that's you know our flag means death falls into this category too um when it's just like there's something so comforting about it where you're like okay like there's still time like (laughs) there's no rush for anything and people you know find each other at the right time and there's something that's just like so nice about that yeah the house in the civilian sea also like it's very very emotional too yeah yeah Oof, just punches you in the emotional gut. All the kids, too. Yeah. You know, the kids. <gasps> and yeah, and then also, uh, do you ever have any like any recurring dreams? Whoa, man. 
it's funny. I was talking to my friend. I don't have this one, but she just read the book and, you know, Bridget's teeth all fall out all the time. Uh, every time she turns, all she fall out. Um, and she's like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is my recurring dream, right? That I have. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Uh, but no, mine tend to be, mine tend to be pretty distinct um, and like overwrought. There's <laughs> like, they're very complex and like, I'm solving some sort of mystery usually. And and I wake up and I'm like, what? <laughs> that didn't make any sense. In my mind, it makes total sense. But yeah. That's good. And uh, are there any uh, life lessons that you feel like you might have learned a bit too late? Life lessons? Oh. <laughs> Just in general? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a heavy question. I know. But mm. anything you can think of? Um, like maybe advice you give to your, to your younger self? Yeah. Um, oh, that is heavy. I think, yeah, um, I feel like I'm still in the middle of a lot of the stuff that I would be trying to figure out to, you know, talk to her about. But I think I, something that I struggled a lot with is like the balance of like everything happens for a reason versus uh, you get to, you know, make your own choices and live with those and, you know, figure that out on your own. Um, and I think probably like <clears throat> somewhere in the middle is probably a good place to land, but I think it's definitely, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, uh, and I think partly like this book was written a little bit to like kind of combat the whole, everything happens for a reason concept, right? Cause when you're talking about chronic pain, which is something that I, you know, well, yeah, still I think, deal with. It's just like, man, like, what's the reason? Though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's all, that's, it's intriguing to think about because the idea of everything happens for a reason is kind of like, well, then you also kind of get cynical and think, well, does does, does murder have to happen for a well, reason? Exactly. Does yeah, yeah. like does does disease have to happen for a reason? Mm -hmm. Does all of these horrible things in the world does 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 right, Russia, exactly. does Putin want to invade Ukraine? Right, and trying to make them into something that is like reasonable, right? I think is a disservice sometimes to what people are going through. Yeah, yeah but right. I don't know. I, I'm like, man, what advice would I give myself? I don't know. I'm I'm still working on it. <laughs> and and maybe like sometimes there are points where I think, well, maybe if it does have to happen for like a quote unquote reason. Mm -hmm. That reason doesn't necessarily have to be one that's good for us, that's beneficial yeah. for humanity. It can be yeah, like exactly. a a reason just just exists and yeah. not somewhere. either good or bad, <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle, yeah. or just or just neutral. Right. Yeah. But I feel like you could you could dive into a whole bunch of philosophical stuff about that. Oh, I always do. <laughs> and philosophy, something I think about more because I'm watching like the good the good place right now. I love and... the good place. I know I'm I'm close yeah. to the end of the third season. Okay, yeah. And a lot of stuff happens. And it's just like, oh my gosh, Shady, you're diving into so much philosophy here. Yeah. They do such a good job balancing that, honestly. Like I was so impressed with I, the way I, that they like it's actually, all I, of that. It's quite thought provoking. Yeah. And, yeah, I love that show, man. I know. And it's kind of sad though, because I'm, I'm coming up to the fourth and final season. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just have I feel like I might have to stretch it out a bit just to savor yeah. the experience. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about the ending of that. I do. But I think I do appreciate the way that they like 
introduced all the different philosophies. I don't know how it ends. Yeah, I won't tell you. Okay. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And now, uh, do you, what do you, what is your uh, favorite uh, book adaptation for either a movie or a TV show? Oh man, this is such an interesting question. Like adaptation in general is a fascinating question because I think like a good adaptation is actually so difficult because it can't be a one-to-one right if you stick too close to the source material it's just not going to sing in whatever you're adapting it into um but you know i mean i feel like this is like a controversial take but i think well this is one of my favorite adapted movies i don't know if it's my favorite adaptation but annihilation uh is like my favorite movie of all time and it is wildly wildly different from the book um, I haven't seen that, but I did read the book. Yeah, it's so different, um, which is like a really big swing to take. Uh, but the director, Alex Garland, is like one of my favorite directors. Um, was talking about was talking about that. Um, yeah, and and was like he he wanted to get more like how it made him feel across because he's also been a screenwriter and he has talked about how he wishes that he had been a little looser with some of his earlier adaptations right that sticking too close to stuff actually you know set him back a little bit but yeah I think I I don't think I don't know I don't think the author likes the (laughs) likes the movie even like the way that it was adapted but I do (laughs) so yeah yeah, Annihilation I think that's that's interesting I because I I, I thought Annihilation, the book, was pretty good, even though I feel like... It's good, well, but it's, and it's, it's also pretty, very for me, it's unadaptable pretty good. in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. It's I, very I, I personally prefer Born. Jeff Vandermeer is Born more, yeah. personally. But yeah. interesting. And yeah, Alex Garland, yeah, uh, Ex Machina, I, I, love, I love that. Yeah, it's really good. Yes. In devs, it's yeah, it's. I feel like this is like, yeah, he's one of those directors where I'm just like, I will, I will see anything that you put out. So, yeah, devs, that's on my watch list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about you? What, what, what about your least favorite book adaptation? Ooh. Man, let me think. I mean, we were just talking about it earlier, so I think I could say, I could say the Percy Jackson right like first movie or whatever the lightning thief it just man what happened there i know what happened which was you know big corporation tried to you know turn this i know and and i will say it is gratifying to see how rick riordan he's just been doing so much promotion for the disney plus series i know and did none for the (laughs) and how he's letting everyone know hey I'm a part of this project. Like I'm actually, I think he, isn't he doing the writing or something like that for the pilot? Yeah, he's attached in some way. I don't know. I'm, I don't know uh, if he's show running or directing or he, he, he is connected. He's not directing. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> he, he's, but, but he's connected to the project. Yeah, exactly. He is part of it. Yeah. Whereas like, oh my gosh, the movies. He was. It was awful. It was ripped away from him and mm-hmm. he despised yeah. it. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing where it's like with Annihilation, right? Like, both of these things like very very different from the source material but annihilation like i think he he understood the feeling of it right and the theme like the thematic you know resonance and all this stuff where it's like with percy jackson i feel like they tried to make something so marketable right mm-hmm. and widely palatable to everybody that they forgot what made it interesting in the first place 
and it became palatable to nobody. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, speaking of which, I think, speaking of which, I think another example of an adaptation being wildly different from the source material is Jurassic Park. Because if you I, watch, yes. if you watch the movie I've and then both, you go, yeah, and, I've read the book I, and I've watched the movie, both favorites. They're incredibly yeah. different, but mm-hmm. I think that both the book and the movie hold up well. But yeah. again, it's and, like and, well, because it understands the spirit of the book, which yes. is the, like all the, the themes. Yeah. yeah, the movie grabs onto to the seed in the book, yeah. but when it comes Got to actually the, like, yeah. the adaptation, the strict adaptation, it reared yeah. away from that. But the mm-hmm. book was like great. They're both excellent. And that's, and I think also because they understand the space that they're given, right? Like Jurassic Park is a very long book, right? And so I think they understood like, we can't, we can't possibly get all of that in, right? You know, we can't fit all of this stuff in this book. Yes. I mean, that was in this book in this movie. Um, but yeah, and man, what a time. It's so good. It's so good. The yeah. fractals, like the dragon fractals at each of the section to represent like, the chaos shifting and how everything like you know grows exponentially from that point it was just like so smart yes. yeah and and also as of the time of the recording it was recently announced you know we, we got some more news about jurassic world dominion and mm. have you heard about it i haven't i am not a huge fan of the new ones because yeah. i think yeah i mean they fall prey to their own irony but yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a lot of the new ones yeah, I haven't seen the first Jurassic World. I did see the second one, Fallen mm-hmm. Kingdom. Listeners, if you could only see my face right now, it was pretty yeah. amusing. But uh, no, it was mm-hmm. quite displeasing. Just yeah. certain things bugged me about the movie. and Yeah, I, I, I just found it really ironic that they were like making this whole big thing about like literally in the text they're like oh like jurassic park just wants everything to be bigger and better and to make these big new dinosaurs that are actually bad and dangerous and i'm like you made a metaphor for your own movie like you're using like you're making everything bigger and you're using more cgi instead of practical effects and like all this stuff and i'm just like how is this not clicking (laughs) right where it's like i am glad that in this new movie apparently there will be more practical effects and more animatronics which is like okay at least visually it should be a little more pleasing yeah. compared to the but it CGI. is very funny to me whether they're like oh the bigger dinosaur and i'm like you you are the bigger dinosaur <laughs> like that's what you just did yeah and and just even like this i remember this bit i and it's it's really technical and maybe i shouldn't be holding on to it so fiercely but like in the, in, the, in, in, in the fallen kingdom there's like oh like we can take this dna to make the end i think the endoraptor out of the bones but it's like the whole point is to take dna out of the blood that's in the right. bug so the chapter the amber do that at all <laughs> it, it it breaks the rules of Jurassic yeah. Park. right yeah that's uh, annoying <laughs> it's, it's annoying yeah and now they have like this Not whole giga yeah, but literally, it's like there's even bigger dinosaur, and I'm like, I don't care that. Do you have a new dinosaur called <laughs> Are there people? A, a Giga, <laughs> that I a care about? Giga Yeah, and it's like a, it's a nickname is Giga for short in this new movie. It's, it'll be the villain. It's just like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, because that's also like the thing that's a little bit silly is that like 
the point of Jurassic Park, like, the dinosaurs aren't the villains. The villain is Hammond, which the movie actually, like, that is, I think, one of the biggest changes between book and movie is that Hammond is, like, unredeemable in the book, right? He's literally, yeah. like, playing, like, using his grandchildren as pawns and, like, all of these people. I was um, surprised because I... Like, they make him a lot more likable in the movie. I had a reading the book. I knew that Hammond was Seth was like the villain, but mm-hmm. when I actually read the book, I was like, "Holy crap, he is He's sinister!" Yeah, it's great though, and that, I mean, it's great because yeah. like you know, the dinosaurs don't know enough to be the villains, right? Yeah, they the, didn't they're just, get. Yeah. they living in this world of animals, like yeah. the carnivores, like T Rexes and Velociraptors right. are doing what what they're supposed to do, and they right, exactly. they eat the they villains eat, are the people they playing eat. God. Yeah, they eat animals and people. Yep. Well, and it's not just the villains are people playing God, it's villains are people playing God for like capitalism. Yeah, corporate power. To make money out of this park. Yeah, corporate power. really like loved an evil amusement park. You know, (laughs) it's like, what if amusement parks were bad? Like they already are. (laughs) I'm like, good point. (laughs) Yeah, West West Walls. Yeah, exactly. (gasps) Yeah. 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 And we, we we've been dunking on Jurassic World for a while, but Sorry, um, Jurassic World. We, we love Jurassic Park. I love Jurassic Park, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. It but, hits. It just hits. Yes. And now let's talk about your favorite uh, books, movies, and TV shows. So let's start off with books first. What are your all-time favorite books? Oh my god. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um, I mentioned Dracula. Dracula is up there. Yes. Um. I really love The Goldfinch. I, I love a book that's like 800 to 1,000 pages long. Um, I, I do have a good time with that. Uh, yeah, so. Long, long epics. Mm-hmm. Too, too long now. <laughs> but yeah, The Goldfinch, it's funny. Everyone compared it to Dickens. And I was like, I felt it felt like a lot more like a Russian novel to me. And I think that is the line that makes a little more sense. Boris, too, you know. Um, but yeah, I love those. What else? I love Dostoevsky. I love a Russian novel. <laughs> this is not, this is kind of a weird collection of things. Um, but I love the original, uh, the book, Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fun. It's great. It's that same kind of grounded fantasy that I mentioned before, where it's just like, they're just living their lives. Um, and speaking of adaptations, actually, that's the book um sophie has a has actually like she has magic um along with howl it's just a different kind and she doesn't know that she has it for most of the book which is excellent mm. um but it's that she's so bossy like she can just like make things happen by like saying it <laughs> which is why the um you know the turnip head thing starts like coming with her and all that stuff because like she's just like making it happen which is mm. great she doesn't That's even cool. know her own magic which is fun yeah. And what about uh favorite movies? Oh man, this is I've got to pull up my letterbox here. <laughs> like. I just opened up um, a letterbox profile recently. I love letterbox. I'm a little too anal about it. Um, I've actually I've watched so many movies lately that have been like so good. Um, but I love The Lady Vanishes, the Hitchcock movie. Um. I love Kajillionaire, uh, the Marin July movie. Uh, I love the thing. I really love the thing. <laughs> um, practical effects again are a sweet spot for me. Yes. 
Um, man, what else? When Harry Met Sally, uh, like, you know, the prototypical rom-com, I think has yes. the best dialogue of almost any movie. Um, yeah, really good script on that. But that, that scene where they're um, at the football game talking about Harry getting a divorce and every time he says something more devastating, they do the wave, like the wave comes through the crowd. Like every time he says something sadder and sadder than the last time they do the wave which is great it's just excellent <laughs> yeah pretty crystal yeah. is amazing in general it's just yeah. hilarious yeah really good yes. um yeah i love moonlight i think it's like a I, I, it's like a real portrait to tenderness that i think you don't get in a lot of modern movies necessarily mm. um there are a lot of like earlier films, like 80s, 90s, um, like My Beautiful Laundrette is one of these where it's like, just like very, like, I don't know, very raw, like emotional, you know, simplicity too. Like it's very pared down. Mm. Um, so I feel like it continues in that kind of tradition in a really lovely way. Um, That's good. Yeah. And what about TV shows? Oh man. Oh, okay. Um, the X-Files was extremely formative for me. Um, that was like, yeah, I, I actually watched that way later than I feel like I should have in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like for the, like when I watched, it, I was like, I feel like I've been like, I feel like this should have like shaped my personality. <laughs> right. Like instead of like getting there and being like, Whoa, okay. This is like amazing um yeah uh what else I really love I loved Russian Doll season two is coming out I don't know what to make of that because season one was so oh, yeah. self-contained yeah the, t- time, the time loop yeah mm-hmm. yeah the time loop have you ever seen a Palm Springs I love Palm Springs okay yeah that really movies, is great yeah. too yeah it's excellent it's I, I honestly like it is taking the thing that I felt like was missing from Groundhog Day right which is like I don't know he's going through it all by himself and like that is the point but like then he fall he like it's kind of creates an imbalance with his love interest right like he gets to fall in love with her for so much time and find out so much about her and she knows one day's worth of information about him right but yeah I loved Palm Springs turning that on its head and bringing them both into it together I thought that was just like brilliant yeah. Um, just, and Chris and Miliati and Andy Samberg, so just, just splendid. And it's... They're amazing. They're so good. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just mentioned Our Flag Means Death, but I, like that's already going to be like one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, like, I cannot talk enough about how good it is. <laughs> um, and then this is not, it's kind of TV. Um, do you know Dimension 20? Dimension 20. The college I've, humor show. Um, I'm not familiar with that, though. Yeah, it's like a D&D actual play thing. And then they have, like, Fantasy High. Like, they have different shows within that. Um, but there's one called The Unsleeping City. Uh, and it's one of my favorite pieces of media. And it's, like, it's very cool watching it happen in real time, right? Because it's, it's collaborative storytelling. And it's also, like, a, it's, um, like, the trope of, like, the other version of the city right underneath the regular version that you can't see unless you're like you know in on the magic of it um 
but it's just extremely beautiful and made me miss New York very bad. <laughs> I lived there for five years. Um, so it's like, wow. Yeah. But I, I really, I think, yeah, D&D can be such a cool way to like tell a story and you have no idea where it's going. I mean, the DM probably does <laughs> as a player, right? You're yeah. contributing to building something just like off the cuff, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll have to check that out. I don't play D&D myself, but I actually <laughs> listen to a podcast. Yeah. D&D podcast. What do you listen to? <laughs> it's uh, Dumb Dumbs and Dice. Oh, have you heard okay. of that one? Mm-mm, I haven't. Yeah, I, I listened to that one. But I feel like someday, someday I would have to try, try it out myself. Yeah, it's very fun. You should absolutely, if you have a chance. Like, yes. it's just great. It's a great time. Yes. And, and the focus specifically on TV shows a little more. Have you seen any uh, TV show revivals that you feel like were, were worth it? Honestly, like, not that I can think of. For me, I pretend The X-Files ended at season seven. Which, like even back then it had two more seasons that I refused to acknowledge you know because this is it was such a clear case where it's like the last episode of season seven of the x-files right they go back to the town where the pilot was um and I'm just sitting there and I'm like man like it was so clear that they, they wrapped up the stuff with Mulder's sister like they they figured out all this long-held stuff right and then the very end, they're like, we're we're almost going to give them a happy ending. But what if we didn't? <laughs> I'm just like, come on, man. Back it out. Like, just a little longer. And let's do two more seasons of just total misery. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but it is frustrating because you can feel that, like, they were probably, like, gearing up for it to be over. And then at the last minute, like, switched around. So I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes with you know tv shows it's either that or the shows get cut off early mm-hmm. and you don't have enough time to wrap up everything and you, yeah you have that, to con- I mean, condense all the material so, that must be really frustrating as a showrunner like to have to like try to pull all your threads together yeah, um, yeah. i recently watched a tv show marvel runaways and that was a show where i felt like yeah, it, it only, yeah, it only lasted... the first season oh yeah well what, what, what do you think of it I liked the first season a lot. I never watched the second one. So. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was yeah, it, it was three seasons long, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it overall. But I definitely felt like the, the third season was rushed. It felt yeah. like a kind of show where it's like, oh, you clearly wanted to go like one or two more seasons, especially with right, the finale. You had to pack everything in, especially That's with, with with the series finale. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. the series finale without spoiling things goes off in a such a such a like a wildly different direction right yeah and it's like oh you you could have stretched out this finale into a whole nother season right and it's disappointing when stuff like that happens yeah yeah but i mean at at least they did get the chance to try to pull it all together though because i think that that can be so tough if it's like a show gets canceled or like doesn't get renewed and you never know what happens <laughs> there's so many where i'm like man this had so much potential and we'll never see it <laughs> but yeah yeah, yeah. T- uh, timeless was not also another tv show i felt like was cut off too early have you seen that time- seen what sorry timeless it's a time travel show it was on I nbc think, i think i saw part of it i am very particular about time travel um there's something wrong with my brain about it (laughs) where it's like I really I love time travel where it's like them going back makes just makes 
the thing that was already going to happen happen like i love a like a fixed loop where everything comes together like dirt gently did that really well um where it's like you can't go back and change things as much as you can go back and just become a part of what already happened because it's the past you know so i love that kind of stuff but um i think i saw a couple episodes of timeless and it was fun yeah i i really, I really enjoyed that too and that only lasted like two seasons and then because like the audience loved it so much it got yeah. it got like the, the whole fina- oh, finality nice. to wrap it all up that's great it was, good. Nice. It was like one at one final episode because it's like the second season and it's on a cliffhanger and that yeah. was where it was going to be canceled that's frustrating. I love I loved the actor who played um what's his name? Rufus? Rufus. Yeah. He's so fun. He was great. I, I yeah, he was definitely he brought a lot of humor to yeah. the show. I, I always love the comic relief. That's always my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and speaking of time travel, yeah, I feel like yeah, time travel, I tend to be more accepting when, when it comes to time travel with the Lord and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Although I would say I, there was a time travel movie called A Looper. That I watched recently. Yeah, I've seen it. It's it was uh, Bruce Willis, right? Yeah, Bruce Willis and Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt, and yeah. I, it's weird. I feel like it was somewhat enjoyable, but I found I found so many issues with the movie, and just, and mm-hmm. it also it really just it really just plays around with time travel rules, and it's just like oh, it just throws them all out. It's very hand wavy, basically with time travel. Yeah. I think and you have did... to get really meticulous with time travel narratives in a way that's so hard to do, which is my the book that I'm working on now is is not time travel, but there's like time stuff. And I feel like maybe that's part of why it's taking me so long because I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, well, it got to a point where the movie with, with Looper was just, it was, it wanted, it felt like it wanted to be hand wavy. It didn't want to yeah, have to pay attention like, to the Lord, which is which is almost like, okay, like, if you want to take that view point, fine, but it does annoy me. Mm-hmm. Even if I am enjoying again certain parts of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, and and now and now we're coming up to good word and and that segment where everyone like I bring on, they can recommend something, whether it's a, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, etc. And now, what's your good word? And you said before we started the interview, you might want to recommend. More than one thing, so I did, but I mentioned a bunch of them already. So I'm like, maybe that's all right then. Um, my big two for TV shows right now are uh, our flag means death and severance. But I think my good word is I just just last night saw everything everywhere all at once. Um, I've been hearing so much love for this movie. Genuinely, like life changingly good. Like really? to the point, it's wow. maybe. Like it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, just like full stop. Yeah, I mean, like, and Daniels are like very. They're, they're such an interesting like directing duo. This is only their second movie, right? But they did like a bunch of music videos and stuff. But they learned how to do a lot of very interesting like special effects on a budget, and they brought all of that to this movie, right? But then also, it's just like it is so weird and so heartfelt, and just like really like the whole point of it is really just looking at like this world and just everything uh and being like what's the point right what is even the point of anything and being like well you know it's hard to answer the question but like the point is loving each other and it's just like man man it really constructs that in a way that like hits right in the gut you know 
it's just it's really beautiful and it's like so many different types um, it's beautiful <laughs> it's like i cried through the whole last hour of it yeah it, I which mean, is a funny thing to say about a movie where there's a whole alternate universe where everybody has hot dogs for <laughs> fingers <laughs> but yeah i mean this was yeah I, i've seen this is ranked number one on letterboxd and i well happen hearing so much appreciation for this and i'm just like well I gotta add it to the watch list, you know. I would bump it to the top. It's like it's so good. Okay. I'm gonna be thinking about it for like ever. <laughs> because it does take, I mean, it takes something that's so like complex and like, man, they had to be so organized for it. And they worked in it for like what, like six, seven years, which totally shows oh, wow. it's like yeah, I think they started working on it in like 2016. But it's very like it's so complex and it comes together completely, you know. Good, like good. visually like metaphorically you know emotionally it's just like everything works which is amazing <laughs> all right yeah. and i i'll have to watch that asap then yes yeah. and <laughs> and now let's plug let's plug your, your socials and your book do you, also do you have any information about uh, about your book like what's the title or when it's going to come out oh right um no so i'm still working on the other stuff it doesn't have any sort of okay. yeah okay so it's not finalized yeah, yet but yeah okay. no, no no this is just stuff i'm working on um okay. but yeah paperback um you t- you mentioned when it came out i've already <laughs> forgotten soon um the paperback comes back out soon i really love the cover for the paperback as well um i'm a big fan of it i feel like like in Sophie and other chronic illnesses yes, yes. yeah um and your, so- and your social social oh, media right. accounts I, yeah i so i don't really i'm not very active on social media um ironically i mostly just use tumblr so i have a twitter but i haven't been on it in a long time um yeah but tumblr is kristenoneal.tumblr.com <laughs> and yeah my twitter is uh kristen underscore o'neill but it's been a it's been a minute so, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I I really uh, enjoyed being able to converse with you for yeah, you know, this you past too. hour. Yeah. So it really has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me. Yes. And I, I want to thank you again. Thank you very much for being able to come on here. It, it really it really was a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kristen. And until next time, mm-hmm. stay healthy and stay strong. <laughs>